Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we have a millennial music chat with Penny and Sparrow. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. As a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long, and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. Isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers. LinkedIn Ads allows you to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach your customers in a respectful environment. You'll have direct access to 875 million members, 180 million senior-level executives, and 10 million C-level executives. You'll be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B. And you'll work with a partner who respects the B2B world you operate in. LinkedIn Ads is also ranked number one for security, community, and ad experience as part of the Business Insider's Digital Trust Study. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash advertise to claim your credit. 
That's linkedin.com slash advertise. Terms and conditions apply. Our good friend of the podcast, singer-songwriter Drew Holcomb, turned us on to this week's musical guest, Penny and Sparrow. Drew's exact words, actually, were, Penny and Sparrow are legit. You need to check them out. So check them out. We did, and now we become huge fans of this Texas duo, and we really wanted to get them on the podcast, uh, so we did. Uh, so this week we have Penny and Sparrow, Andy Baxter, actually, from Penny and Sparrow. Uh, just a few short years ago, Penny and Sparrow were college friends at the University of Texas, and music wasn't even on their post-graduation plans. Now the duo are dropping their fifth album, Windigo, on September 1st. And it's their fifth album in just a short number of years, actually. After we got our hands on an advanced copy of Wendigo, it's now been in serious heavy rotation in our house and ranks up there as one of the best albums of 2017 that I've listened to all year long. I really absolutely love this album. I've listened to it over and over again. Um, and it actually has like 14 tracks. And I think, to me, that's unheard of for albums these days. But this 14-track album is sonically beautiful and goes deeper lyrically than any of their previous albums. And they also fuse together a stunning musical soundscape as the backdrop to, to their really great lyrics. Pretty much, if you, if you before you hear them, you know, think about Bonnie Vere meets Mumford & Sons, maybe meets you know, the beautiful lyrics of uh, the Beach Boys. Uh, I really love these guys. So lead singer and all-around cool dude Andy Baxter joined us from his home in Alabama for a great interview. And we talked about uh, a lot of different topics, um, such as what were their real post-college plans, uh, the mythical beast that this album, Wendigo, takes its name, uh, also surviving as a Texas college football fan in the dynasty-driven state of Alabama. That's probably a hard one there. I don't think I could take it. And we talked about geeking out on Christmas album, being that they released another Christmas or a Christmas album last fall. So enjoy our conversation with lead man from Penny and Sparrow, Andy Baxter. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so you and Kyle, uh, your other bandmate, um, you guys met in college in Texas, um, and you formed Penny and Sparrow. Did you guys have music majors at the time, or were you kind of following uh, a, a career in music, if you will? Oh, quite far from it. Kyle was set to go and work eventually for the CDC, and he uh, he was getting his master's at the time that we really started hanging out. His master's is in biology. He's one of the smartest fellows that I have the privilege of knowing on this earth. And yours truly was in the five-and-a-half-year plan to get a bachelor's degree <laughs> in uh, film and history. And so neither one of us were doing anything in music whatsoever. That is outside of having, um, you know, a, an affinity and enjoyment of it and, we would mess around in the house just singing Ryan Adams cover songs for our roommates at the time. And this sort of all began there just as a hobby. Gotcha. So, I mean, so even like kind of growing up, did you, you know, were you into music or did you play instruments and stuff or? 
Well, growing up, we would definitely – well, let me back up. Kyle was a drummer first, and so he would, sing, he would never really sing or play guitar because that wasn't his thing. He, he only started learning guitar as a way to deal with the stress of grad school. And so – and yours truly uh, – I did a whole bunch of, like, church choir stuff growing up and did um, some musicals and things like that. But uh, I was more than certain that uh, whatever voice talent I had gotten in this life, it was not enough to ever make money doing it. So I was just going to do this as a hobby because, hell, I like to sing. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And why not? When you have a, a roommate who's learning how to play the guitar and you both like really sad bastard folk songs, why not sing them and learn how to harmonize? Well, when was that, that time where it clicked and you said, you know what? We really should make this a band. Well, again, like even saying that we wanted to make it a band, like it, it was accidental, to be honest with you. And I'm not being uh, coy. I, yeah. I mean, we started to do this. The very roots of Penny and Sparrow were based out of this. Hey, wouldn't it be cool, Kyle, if we, uh, on a little homemade recording rig, recorded an album and we just researched what it would be like to put it on iTunes? Mm-hmm. And that way, for the sake of posterity, we'd be able to look our kids in the face one day and say, hey, you know your old man's got a record of it. <laughs> right. And that was, that was authentically why we did it. So we wrote three uh-huh. songs, not thinking that anybody in the world other than our blood kin and mm-hmm. our buddies were going to listen to it. And then all of a sudden, it actually got passed around a bit word of mouth in the UT campus, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we decided it was the, it was you know, the dawn of the era of Kickstarter. Yeah. And so uh, we were like, well, hell, uh, this was fun. We've got other jobs. We like our other jobs. But what mm-hmm. if we just did a Kickstarter and then joined up with uh, Chris, who was Kyle's buddy from high school, mm-hmm. and made another record? And so we made our first full-length record entirely comprised and of and funded by um, the, the money of our plan. buddies and our family. Wow. wow that's, that's, some, that's, that's quite a feat there. Was there a backup plan uh, if, if music didn't work out? Well, I, music was just a total hobby. I mean, there was yeah, no yeah, backup yeah. plan. We weren't yeah. even really trying it. The backup plan was yeah. just to keep on going with whatever jobs we had and we were going well, for. Yeah, that's what I meant. Was, what was the, what, what, you said you wanted to do uh, film and stuff like that. What were you kind of looking towards kind of getting into oh dude i had no clue what i was doing <laughs> okay <life>. right <laughs> i had i had three jobs i right i literally i was a crossfit coach i used to work for jason's deli's smallwares factory i it was i had weird jobs in college worked for a non-profit called young life i, mm-hmm. I was all over the map and uh kyle again like i said was working biological research uh, under a professor mm-hmm. and going to grad school and eventually had aspirations to go and work in public health. Sure, right, right. And, and so music was literally like, hey, I literally just think we should do this to see what happens. It'd be really fun. We'll blow off some steam, and it'll be a great gag when we're in our 50s and we can embarrass our kids. <laughs> exactly, and then uh, uh, it sort of gathered steam unexpectedly. You're right. I was going to say it sort of gathered steam, and and now and now you guys are on what what album is number is this? Uh, this will be our fifth full length album. Yeah, you guys sort of seemed to crank them out um, pretty quickly. It, it was definitely a goal of ours early on. Once we mm-hmm. said like, hey, let's quit our jobs and really give this a go. We sort of labeled what some things uh, as a band, like what we would want to be about, like what would we want to be true about us or said about us. And to be prolific was at the top of that list because all the bands that we love are constantly creating and making things and getting sharper. I mean, you look at from from the multiple 
uh, bands that Justin Vernon has to mm-hmm. Anais Mitchell and all the side projects that turn into Broadway musical and mm-hmm. anybody, the Beatles, I mean, anybody that we have wanted to emulate have all been prolific artists. And so that's just a thing that we've tried to do. Right. What were you listening to as a kid kind of growing up in, in Texas uh, that, you know, kind of, you kind of had some musical aspirations? Uh, I, I bought a ton of Broadway and a ton of nineties country. <laughs> uh, when I was with my, when I was with my mom and with my uh-huh. dad, it was uh classic rock. It was all, you know, from the Beatles to Skinner, to three dog night, to fog hat, to queen, um, so all of that stuff was, I, I had it coming from both sides. Like my dad didn't, he like liked that I was multifaceted musically, but in his car, it was sports talk radio or classic rock. And with my mom, <laughs> right. it was like, you got to know who Andrew Lloyd Webber is. <laughs> That's <so>. great. <laughs> That's funny. Right. So I had a mix. Which you can kind of learn, you know, storytelling and, 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 you know, drama through, through, you know, musicals and stuff. Yeah. You can. I mean, and ultimately, I figured out from a pretty early age, which is why I eventually ended up in a film program and history program, mm-hmm. that I was a narratively driven dude. Like, most of the ways that I intake uh, life and the type of music I listen to or art I digest in general is narrative-based. And if it's not built around a narrative, then I construct one in my own brain when I see it or when I listen to it. And so uh, all of that stuff is probably finds its roots in the soil of growing up near my mom, who just wanted to teach me about Broadway and why La Miz was the best thing that God had ever granted the world of Broadway. <laughs> and and you you guys, you bring that to your songwriting as well, too, with, with Penny and Sparrow, too, right? We do. Uh, if you're specifically talking about La Miz, we definitely do. We, for whatever reason, that story has uh, held both of us raptured for a long time, and so mm-hmm. we decided to dedicate, until we run out of principal characters, we dedicate uh, one song to the main characters of uh, that musical on each record. And so, uh, again, it, you're going to have to call us out and say we're being idiots if we get to, like, <laughs> second man at the barricade. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Uh, well, I mean, do you and Kyle both bring something um, different musically to the band? Absolutely. Uh, we could not do this job without one another. It is a, in this case, a healthy symbiotic relationship because we are uh, split down the middle in terms of what we bring to the table. I have, uh, with the exception of maybe one time, never written one single musical piece of uh, any of our stuff. And Kyle, with the exception of a few words here or there, hasn't written any of the lyrics. Oh. So Kyle and I, Kyle comes together and with me and sends me a voicemail or a voice memo of him noodling around on the guitar, singing or humming unintelligible vowel sounds over a <laughs> melody that he created. And I literally get to take that and go into Word World and treat it like a Mad Lib lesson. And it's a creative writing assignment for me to where I get to say, this sounds uh, somber or celebratory or mm-hmm. erotic, and how many syllables do I have to convey that per line? What feels like the chorus? And so that's how we've written um, more or less 98% of the songs with very few outliers. Hmm. And then, so and then you guys moved uh, to Alabama last year to record your last album with John Paul White as uh, producing it. Um, Correct. And and this house, this house that you guys were living at the time. Um, you're still in Alabama and he's in, in Texas, but back in Texas, but that, that house kind of played an important role in, in the next, uh, album, right? 
It did. In between stops and tour dates and tour cycles, we literally spent our first Alabama summer there boiling and <laughs> trying to just figure out ways to keep cool and relax in this house mm-hmm. and and just wait to go back out on tour. And we didn't right. have time really to get another job, so we would mm-hmm. just post up and practice and sing together. Mm-hmm. And there was this back den in our house that was carpeted and had this uh, really busted old uh, masonry fireplace and it was flat and it was the shadiest part of the house because there was trees all around that outside window. And so no real sunlight got in there unless you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And so we set up uh, that same recording rig that we used to record the first EP. And we started cutting these demos of these songs that we were falling in love with. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. DeleteMe is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using DeleteMe and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. 
Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. And we knew that they weren't going to go on the record that we were recording with John Paul. It was going to be its own thing. They felt different. They felt all in the same vein with each other, but different than anything we'd written. And the plan was, hey, let's demo out an entire new album. And then we'll take these demos, go into the studio, and we'll redo them. We'll we sure. polish them. Sure. Uh, we'll rewrite a bunch of shit, and then we'll go from there. Mm. And inevitably, we we fell in love with all the um, the peccadillos on each song. Like you can hear Becca making dinner. You can hear my dog uh, running around, like knocking into a mic stand. <laughs> you can hear a door shut in the middle of a dead silent moment in a song called Moniker that we hated at first and now we love it because it's accidentally in the right time signature and perfect uh, percussive moments. So all of that stuff, uh, it grew on us and the demos comprise the skeleton of this new record. Right. And so, and the new record is called Wendigo. Wendigo. So what, what, what is Wendigo about? And uh, you know, kind of what, what you, you mentioned all that, the, how you wrote the song tonight, but what was the inspiration about it, and what, what are some of the themes in, on, on the album? Uh, we sent this press release thing out, right? And it's, it's mm-hmm. the thing yeah. that, sadly, I think maybe five people are ever going to read. And uh, no, uh, six, six people. I read it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> well, it, long and short of it is, yeah. 
I like what we wrote there because I feel like it does a decent job of uh, mm-hmm. talking about the record. But I think it's a study in fear. I think it's a study in um, what are the things that scare us? Are they worthwhile in terms of causing us fear? Should we be scared about them at all? Mm-hmm. And it, essentially, like, a lot of the songs in this record meander in and around dark corners of stuff mm-hmm. that we are scared about in life, whether it be death or doubt or faith or the loss of love or whether or not we're ever going to actually get love that's worth a shit. And we talk about that in and throughout the record and really try and examine and label what is the root of what I'm scared of. And once I label it and bring it out into the light, does it really have teeth or is it really something pretty? Um which I think was a, a fun experiment for me as someone who wrote the words of it and a really cool experiment for Kyle who has to build that soundscape only that has both uh, moments of spooky, weird, creepy darkness mm-hmm. and moments of like uplifting and lilting hope. Mm-hmm. And so I, honestly, that was what the song was about in its entirety. The name was birthed out of our love for uh, the creepy macabre weird as well, which is, in Algonquin folklore, it's a shapeshifter, this really weird skeletal creature that at times, depending on which folklore you read, uh, eats people, and at times mm-hmm. it just shifts skin and haunts people up in the north. But it is, uh, it's an, a really beautiful word to say, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we, we latched onto it because um, just like any and all creatures of the deep, uh, it's not that it's real. But at one time or another, depending on who you asked, it scared people witless, and that affected how they lived. And so right. we want to talk about the things in this life that do the same thing for us. Like, yeah, we don't really believe in the Sasquatch anymore, but we we are pretty terrified of death and, and loss and hurt. And so why not shine the same flashlight you would on Sasquatch on those things? Sure. And, and one of the things, too, you mentioned in the, in the press release, the quote I liked was, they they turn the lights off on purpose and hunt for what's really there in the dark. I mean, so that's kind of what you're saying too, is just kind kind of how we all kind of search for things like that, right? Or look, or has introspective kind of look at ourselves, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like most kids had this moment in their life or a big season, or if you're like me, it was lasted a little longer than it should have, where you were terrified of the dark. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a stretch of my kitchen that you had to walk about like. 12 yards to get from the kitchen to the playroom when I was a kid. Mm. And I remember being terrified and I would intentionally leave because it was dark and Mm. no sun got back there. And I remember I would leave the fridge open because the light would shine (laughs) in the hallway. And my mom would get pissed because, you know, moms don't want you to do that. Exactly. And eventually it became this game where I was like, no, you need to sack up and shut the fridge and walk slowly instead of wanting to run, even mm-hmm. though, like, you're sort of sweaty and you, right. you don't want to do it. And so I, I started trying to, to beat what was there by slowly walking through the dark tunnel instead of, like, leaving the fridge light on. And so in a um, – without waxing too poetic, I feel like I – don't, I don't know why we don't handle stuff like that as adults the way that we mm-hmm. used to handle it as kids. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is going to be unbearably hard for just a few <laughs> seconds until I realize there's nothing to be scared of. So it's almost like musical immersion therapy. Right. And it's, and I, like I mentioned before, we we started recording that, I, you know, that I, I've been listening to this album the last week or so nonstop, and I, I really love it a lot. Um, are all 14 of those songs going to be on the completed album? That's correct. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's quite a bit of songs writing and song making including the, the the last album too it is uh again it's not yeah. something that we really turn off i mean I, yeah. it's weird I'm, I'm 
talking to you from my house in Alabama on the first summer where I've been in the same place for two months in years. Right. And uh, that's kind of a funny thing to report because we've just been on the road. Right. We've been uh, going different places, playing different places, recording albums along the way in different cities. And that has been great and difficult. And this right. album was born out of um, trying to rest but still trying to grapple with the fact that our life sort of changed overnight from having regular jobs mm-hmm. and doing this as a hobby to, oh, my God, we all live in our cars and we're traveling around the nation, and, oh, my God, it's working, and, oh, my God, what do we do now? <laughs> and so us grappling with all of that at the end of a, our first busy season, um, or I mean, that, that was sort of what the, the demos came out of was that heart place. Hmm. Right. And uh, do you guys have a new video? Your videos are really interesting usually. So do you guys have a video coming out for for this uh, album? We do. We've got a few. The goal would be to slowly chip away, and throughout the the course of the first year of the record, we'd love to have some video presence for every Mm -hmm. song. And we've never done that before, but this one in particular, we unleashed a buddy to go to this huge aquarium, and all that we really told him was, we want you to shoot jellyfish. And we want it to be dark and spooky and weird and pretty. And also, can you make it like one of those 1990s car commercials with a bouncing ball for lyrics? <laughs> and uh, what he gave us was the exact psychedelic weird aquarium funk trip that we asked for. Oh, so, so the one that's on your website, that's, so that's your legit video for, for that song then, right? Yeah, that's our legit video. We've <laughs> got one that's entirely narrative-based yeah. and uh, serves as sort, as sort of a... Uh, short film, uh, scary movie, and we've got other ones that are in the, the tank that are totally different than that. And again, I, it'd be really neat to look up in the next uh, couple years and release a big collection of all of these. Well, see, there, there you're using your uh, film theory right there. Yeah, in a way, I suppose <laughs> maybe my grandmother won't be too mad at me for not uh, using my UT degree, but uh, <laughs> as long as I can say like, hey, I did something with it. Right, exactly. So you guys, and you guys are heading out on tour when the album comes out in September, and and this time around, but you guys are headlining a little bit more bigger venues than you have before. Uh, is we there are. a different is there a different mindset um, when you play bigger venues uh, with any, with the new music or any any of your music? Uh, thankfully, man, I consider we consider it a victory that uh, we play we have played in our careers for the past few years. Uh, very small rooms where there were seven people showing up mm-hmm. in a city and then be totally surprised and an unexpected 500 would show up and we didn't know that we had a presence like that in a city. Mm-hmm. And what we figured out early on was like, look, if if this career is three years long, six months long, or 36 years long, uh, I would really, really, really like to say that uh, we gave anybody that showed up the best show that we could possibly physically muster. And so we sang our ass off in front of six people, and we sang our ass off in front of sold-out crowds of um, over a 1,000. And mm-hmm. that's a really exciting thing. And also, uh, to your point, this tour finds us in rooms that are bigger than we've ever been in before from a headlining standpoint. And that's uh, nerve-wracking in a degree just because it's like, oh, my God, I've seen uh, Glenn Hansard and Iron and Wine in this room. <laughs> at, sure, at right. A, concert goer and right. we're playing it how is that even uh reality mm-hmm. and so you you know all the same first date jitters come when you're in a room 
I guess the preeminent uh, emotion is just excitement. It's just straight joy. Like, oh my God, I get to do this for a living. Right, right. And I mean, and that's quite an ascension just just in the last several years that you guys have made too. True. Uh, if I think about it too long, I go cross-eyed and I'm questioning <laughs> how in the hell it happened. And uh, I'm I'm not about to look the gift horse in his mouth. So right. So did you did you actually grow up in in Austin? Um, You're Austin. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth. We, okay. I did a lot of growing up in Austin because I was in mm-hmm. college at the time. But mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was in Fort Worth. Gotcha. What, what was one of the best live shows you've seen in 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 Austin? Uh, in Austin, one of the best live shows I've seen uh, would be – I went to this fundraiser for the Midwives of America, um, okay. which sounds really, really strange. <laughs> uh, but my buddy took me, and he works for this big concert, um, I, I guess like a publication place. And he mm-hmm. he's like, hey, I want to take you to the show. Don't look anything into it. Just show up with me. Come on. And so I went with him to the Paramount Theater where we get to play in Austin – and I saw an acoustic uh, show with Sam Bean from Iron and Wine and Glenn Hansen from mm. oh, Dude, yeah, oh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, it was all because Sam Bean's wife, they uh, live in Austin, and he mm. used, or she was a midwife. And mm-hmm. so we did this concert to raise money for the Midwives of America Foundation. And that meant that I got to see an hour-long acoustic set from Glenn Hansen and then a 90-minute acoustic set from Sam Bean, and uh, I died. <laughs> that's that's a very cool one. I like that. That's a great one. And you, and you, I didn't even ask you that ahead of time. You had that loaded there. That was, that was great. It's easy to remember when it's that good. When it's that good, exactly. Um, well, speaking of like you know older you know theaters, you guys opened for uh, our friend Drew Holcomb a few months ago too at the at the uh, Ryman. I heard people just went nuts for your set too. Uh, it was very beautiful. It was one of those moments where I walked off stage crying, and that was pretty outlandish, uh, <laughs> which isn't saying too much for me because I cried all the time. Right. But in reality, that was a whole new level. I mean, it's it's the mother church, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I had dreamed about playing venues like that, let alone ever thought that I'd have a standing ovation and walk off into the arms of my wife crying. <laughs> right. So, uh, so living in Alabama, are you uh, are you college and went to UT? Are you a college football fan? I am a college football fan. How, I'm in how is Longhorn, how, how regardless is of being a transplant here in I was Alabama, say, how, near Bottles Country. <laughs> Can you publicly uh, root for Texas there in Alabama? I can, but it helps being a 205-pound bearded guy. Um, <laughs> right. It might be a little bit different if 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 I was shaped a bit different. Right. But I'm also not uh, I'm not too ornery when it comes to being a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm right. uh, I'm I support my burnt orange Longhorns and all of their endeavors, but it, it also yeah. not like it used to. It won't completely destroy my world if they lose. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so last thing I have for you. So. Um, one of the albums you guys had out recently, last year, uh, and I'm, first of all, I'm a total Christmas music nerd, So, and I recently discovered you guys actually re- released an album last year, Christmas Songs. Um, yeah. So what was that about, and um, why did you guys want to kind of, why did you think you wanted to make a holiday album? Well, honestly, Christmas is important to us. We love that season, and those songs are iconic regardless mm-hmm. of where you are with faith. For us, it was something that we'd always wanted to do, and we sort of promised our folks that we would do. 
And it was, it was finally making good on a promise. We were like, man, we've always loved to cover these mm-hmm. um, old hymns, these songs. We fused together our own songs with Christmas music before. So why why not just finally go through with it and do it? And honestly, we just had time, and it sounded like a blast. And so in July in Texas, we stopped in the middle of that month and took two weeks to make a Christmas record. <laughs> Christmas in July. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I love it. It's my, it's my new, it, will, it will be on rotation uh, this Christmas coming up, so I'm really excited about well, that. Well, thank you once again for helping pay my light bill. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, where can people find uh, Penny and Sparrow's music and the new album, uh, Wendigo? You can pre-order our stuff through Pledge Music. It's on all of our social media stuff, and there's some pretty sweet perks if you order it now. Off the Magnolia Record Club, if you subscribe mm-hmm. before the next, like, six days, that's Drew's mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Then you get, uh, we press the first, I think, thousand, maybe a few more, mm-hmm. in uh, a white vinyl, which looks pretty damn slick. And um, Yeah, I saw, I saw the picture of it. It looks, it looks really good. We like it anyway. Right, right. And you can so find all the normal social media stuff. And uh, right. honestly, right now, if you want when to go, Pledge Music is the place to go. And uh, when is when is the album actually coming out? September first. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Andy. We totally appreciate it. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It was a true honor. To, to know that people give a damn this much at, at uh, about live music is a really nice thing. So thank you for actually listening to the record, actually knowing it, and asking great questions. It's only pain 